Before we get started, it's worth mentioning that the podcast you're about to listen to is an audio rip of a fully filmed YouTube show. While this podcast is perfectly enjoyable in this format, there will be the odd reference to something you can't see. It doesn't happen that often and it won't take too much away from the overall experience. I wouldn't worry about it. But if you do have the time, I recommend Video Namaste in its preferred form, where you can see clips, our lovely faces and Danny's kitchen. You can find it on the Pleasureland YouTube channel, but hey, if this works for you, I'm not going to argue. Please enjoy. Welcome, Welcome to Video Namaste. Namaste. How are you? Are you enjoying yourselves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbours are like... <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Jesus Christ, I'm trying to fry myself <gasps> a piece. <laughs> fry a piece? <laughs> It's probably what it smells like what they're dead, man. Try to fry some monster munch. <laughs> Imagine someone frying a piece. Fry bread, man. Get that in your fryer. Ooh, it's Aye, lovely. I'm making a whole sandwich. Oh, it just a giant. Oh, a, a jam piece. <laughs> <laughs> just deep frying. Totally <laughs> brought a crisp and dry in. I had to boil this with water. <laughs> fry it with water. Son, that's you're no getting things right. <laughs> that's cold boiling. There's no that hot in there. <laughs> oh, as long as we start every episode of Video Namaste with uh, with something to make people go, is this about films? I <laughs> uh, probably some point in the future we'll talk about a film. <laughs> I know, man. I keep getting as well. <clears throat> I've got the, like the monitor flipped around so I can see myself. So every now and then, if I turn around and kiss the well, camera, they're a wee bit Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like Doctor Who baddies. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 That's like the audience can't see what we're looking at because it's because it's not the purge. Hold on, I could. I could take a photo and drop it into the, the edit. Uh, so there you go, that's how Video Namaste is made. This is the Video Namaste special of Video Namaste. <laughs> we talk about the making of Video Namaste, the uh, the ideas. The power um, plays, the spiteful remarks. The, uh, the, the drama. The affairs. The internal affairs. <laughs> uh, the love triangle. It's like Fleetwood Mac in here. <laughs> I'm married to Danny, but he's pumping Richie! <laughs> and absolutely need he's having a good time. <laughs> so for this batch of episodes, we've been talking about um, uh, well-knowns, lesser-known, so well-known directors, lesser-known films, or uh, or less popular films, or just what less-known films. Um, yeah, my, is that your... That's my eye. That's my eyeball. Get the... Oh. Oh yeah, fucker, that's good. That's doing all right. We were talking about rubbing your eyes and like when you accidentally flip your eyelid and say do it, and you think your eyeballs got it for it, and you're like, it's one of the it's one of the like fight or flight ones. It's like, don't you punching your eyeball back in? You just have to get up and go. You rub your eye after you've eaten a bag of Monster Munch. Oh, you ever went for a piss after you've crumbled some chili in here? It's the worst. It's the fucking worst. Same way you pick your nose. Do you uh, pick your nose yeah. after chilli? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus. <laughs> and you hook your boxers out your arse and you get a wee, a wee bummy nutsy. <laughs> so, um, um, so, yeah, so we're talking about a lesser known film of a big director and probably this is going to be the biggest of uh, uh, what, in terms the directors of... that we're talking about. <laughs> um, uh, and it's the, the Coen brothers... Uh, and it's the hot sucker proxy. <laughs> there you go. Finley, do you want to do your? Oh no, Danny, that's, that's good. Danny, that's... I'm doing it.
Alrighty then! We're the Coen Brothers and we've made a film with Tim Robbins where he acts the absolute fool. So check it out! SOMEBODY STOP ME! By the way, it's called the Hudsucker Proxy. Smoking Like a glove! Wilma! Aye, anyway, so, Hudsucker, some things about the Hudsucker Proxy. The Hudsucker Proxy is the fifth film directed by the Coen brothers. This one's directed by... A Joel. Joel. But second unit was Sam Raimi, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. wrote, co-wrote it with him. Yeah, so the, the film was written, uh, so, so going back to the beginning, the Coen brothers and Sam Raimi used to live together. Aye, Bruce Campbell and, uh, what's, Christ, we spoke about this before the boy that directed uh, From Dust Till Dawn 2 as well. And that? No, Scott Spielberg. Spiegel. 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 I always forget his fucking name because I want to say Spielberg and my brain just goes, no! Yeah, no, there's there's that that group, isn't it? That's like uh, Barry Sonnenfeld and... Yeah, yeah. Obviously they weren't all living together, but like that group, they were all kind of... No, they were were literally living together at one point, aye. And that's, aye, they wrote that, uh, this was one of the first scripts they wrote as well. Aye, so they wrote, basically they, uh, they wrote, so the Coen brothers and Sam Raimi wrote The Hudsucker Proxy. They wanted to write a business comedy, apparently. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, uh, yeah, but when they were writing it, they realised it was going to be an expensive film. So, it's, it, I, I don't know, I can't imagine having that level of foresight. We're like, well, we'll get famous first, <laughs> and then someone will give us the money to make it. So basically, they, they shelved it, and uh, and then they went and made, I don't know if they'd made Blood Simple no. at this point. No, there was so... Well, before, or it was in the process of being edited, maybe. I don't know because no, I well, think, I think it's like even before Blood Simple. Right. I'm sure there was stuff when they were about to go into Blood Simple, and there were there was an interview with them, and they were saying about how they've written this comedy that's basically set in the fifties, big business, and it's like a screwball comedy. Yeah. So I think like the original script for Hood Soccer was maybe mere what Crime Wave became to because mm. Crime Wave's really screwball I yeah. will I, Crime Wave like that's 85 and mm. Crime Wave like we double build Crime Wave and Hudsucker Proxy and uh, so see, I've, I've never seen, seen Crime Wave well Crime Wave it, it, it's a bit of yeah, a mess at the start but it, like, it gets to where it wants to go and it's fucking incredible at the end and some of it's hilarious but it does that thing like the Marx Brothers films do where like you know how they're originally stage performers so they, mm-hmm. they leave a gap after other gags and there's just uh, this right. weird kind of emptiness in mm-hmm. the film and it doesn't translate to like a modern audience it, might, uh, it obviously works with the Marx Brothers because that's what was going on mm-hmm. at that time but uh, I like they mention like it starts off uh, with a car full of nuns uh, driving away for Hudsucker uh, Sanitarium so like the, oh, so it's on the same universe. Oh, you know, okay. And that's and that like so they definitely wrote that before eighty five. Then so okay. there's like a connection there. Aye, because I think basically they had the Hudsucker script sitting on a shelf. Because again, they write the Hudsucker reference in uh, Raising Arizona as mm-hmm. well. Aye, high's got the high's got. He comes home when the the Hudsucker mm-hmm. industries. And there's uh, the line I noticed last night as well that a frog wouldn't hump, it, uh, bump its ass. Frog wouldn't ah, hump its ain't ass. Uh, bump its ass a hopping like yeah. that's that's in Raising Arizona too. Ah, yeah. that's right. So it's like it's weird. Like they were kind of, I think they were experimenting a bit with having like their own universe, mm-hmm. and they never really done that afterwards. I don't think. Aye. You know. Uh, but I think it's kind of cool that they realised mm. at that point, like, nah, that's that's it. that's we've done uh, that. Let's move on. Now. I would love the idea of the Coen Brothers films all being in the same universe because it's like makes sense. And it, it's funny because like it's funny when you say stuff like that set in the same universe. It's like it gives you a wee bit of excitement, but it doesn't mean anything. Nah, nah. <laughs> it means nothing. But um, so 
They made, at this point, they'd made Barton Fink, mm-hmm. film number four that they directed. And. Um, Miller's Crossing as well. Ah, they'd obviously, yeah, they'd done um, Miller's Crossing as well. So they were starting to get a bit, you know. There's Barton Fink line in Hudsucker as well. Is there? Fakered on a $3 bill. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, I think, did they pitch it to Joel Silver? Or certainly Joel Silver I got involved. Go I think His go production Wendy. company got involved. Aye. And he pitched that to Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I think it had like a 25 million budget. Mm-hmm. And Joel Silver just didn't get involved. He just gave them the money and told them to do what they want. He just complete creative freedom and mm-hmm. stood back. And, uh, it didn't even take a producer credit. No, no, because that, that was that was the thing. Because well, like when I, again, when I uh, when I watched it the other night, I was like, when I saw his name coming up at the beginning, and then but only his company and not seeing his name again, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting. It's interesting that Joel Silver is even attached to it because there's nothing about it that's him. Yeah, yeah, I totally. I got gone off the back of like films that he's done it. That it's kind of cool yeah. that he just sort of flew in and went. You know, I'll get this film that you want uh, made, and here you go. But like, that's the thing they had. Like, uh, he was kind of an opportunist at that point too, because by that point, Barton Fink uh, had played it, uh, can and done really fucking well, and mm. then Miller's Crossing maybe opened, or was it this that opened? I think it was maybe a Sucker Proxy, yeah, that opened can. Right. So like, that was a big kind of it was like a temple film for them, mm-hmm. like their big like you know RA film, mm-hmm. aye. And it's like. I think it's a shame because obviously he had a lot of faith in him and he had absolutely no reason from what I can tell to think that it could go like it could go wrong and obviously even I bet even watching the film you'd be like this is going to be great but it did it performed really, really badly mm-hmm. they just never knew what to do which is a real really? shame because it sounds like I always hate saying things like this because it always sounds like you're just being like oh yeah yeah I'm, it's obviously it's not my favourite Coen Brothers film but it's definitely in my Top because, uh, like, it's such a feel good and it's such yeah. a funny and it's such a well made film that it's and well, everything well, like everything about it is like actually even watching it revisiting the other night I was like right I know that there's bits that obviously sags a wee bit and then um, you know it it drags on a wee bit in places and it's maybe a bit too long but I watched it the other night and I was like I'm not feeling any of this I just a hundred percent. Uh, love it's, it it's completely the pace like see the first 10 minutes the amount that they cram into the first 10 minutes yeah. is like like it just yeah. goes and goes and goes and goes and mm-hmm. goes and goes and like it flies through like scenes and areas and through people and everything like that it just, establishes whoosh, so much so, so much, much in the beginning um, and you can grab it it's very simple it's very uh, simple uh, that's uh, it. totally <clears throat> and, uh, exactly and that's what these like the Coen brothers have got that balance of art and commerce doing it a tea and that's why I was kind of gutted to I didn't realise how poorly it performed oh it was really bad like, I, like something like 2 million I uh, think it was like it failed to gross 3 million or something like that that's rough but like uh, they always like they have like their like mainstream film and then they have their art house film and like, that's great and they mm. all, but all the films that they make like I think even I want to go back to Intolerable Cruelty but other films they make have got like a a lot going on in them and this film it's like obviously it's like a a ode to like uh, all the screwball comedies Mm -hmm. of the like 30s 40s like Howard Hawks and that and like even uh, Jennifer Jason Lee her character it's very kind of Catherine Hepburn aye it's like uh, His Girl Friday you know I can't remember the the actress like but I think that's who she's modelled after creator innovator celebrator think Ah. I tell you, the guys are phony. 
Phony, huh? As a $3 bill. Says who? Says me, Amy Archer. Why is he an idea man? Because Hudsucker says he is. What are his ideas? Why won't they let anyone interview him? Genius. Five my bucks eye. says she mentions her Pulitzer. Why won't they tell us a single Again? solitary thing about him? You're off. And just take a look at the mug on this guy, the jutting eyebrows, the simian forehead, the idiotic grin. Why, he has a face only a mother could love. On payday. But the fact that it's all like quick fire dialogue and stuff mm. like that, that's like the density of that script over the running time, like I didn't even feel the, like the running time. It's yet, like an hour and ten. No, no, an hour and fifty. And like it felt like about it, it hit the sweet spot for me anyway, because mm -hmm. like everybody's just flying through and like even like even basic introductions to characters, it's nothing too normal and it's like I love films that you can take a scene out of and it still has its own kind of consistent like it, it works in its own right. Mm -hmm. Like Jennifer Jason Lee's introduction, mm -hmm. you know, with the two guys narrating it all and yeah, stuff like uh, that. That's yeah. fucking that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Uh, and then you take that out and it works in its own. Yeah, yeah. I put my pilots around it. <laughs> oh man. And then her, she's great and uh, yeah. the slap that she gives Bruce Campbell when she catches his hand, uh, like, he catches her hand. <laughs> she softly. fucking bag right in the Softly. <laughs> softly. She just fucking rattles him. Hi. <laughs> It's like, <clears throat> so as I, so watching the film, thinking about it as we're sort of approaching the film in this, there's a couple of things that ran through my head before I realised that it was written way before they wrote anything else. Mm -hmm. And I was, first of all, I was thinking of it coming off the back of Barton Fink. And I thought it was interesting that Barton Fink was about Hollywood in the 30s. And like, in Hudsucker Proxy was made to be like a Hollywood film in the 30s. So it's kind of like a natural progression from that to that but mm. then realising that it was planned from <laughs> way, way long ago anyway yeah. but, but I mean Barton Fink could have been practised for it but mm -hmm. that, so it's a big expense their first sort of big expensive film <clears throat> and like the first thing you see is the the model shot of New York when it opens and you see that shot in New York and you're like your brain's kind of going that can't possibly be a model but then in part, another part of your brain's going that's not a shot of the city Mm -hmm. And it's too early to be CGI, so what is, uh -huh. but it's a, it's a big fucking model. Uh, it's a big it's model. Like one twenty-four scale. One twenty-four. Article, uh, and it's gorgeous as well. There's like some behind the scenes. There's a couple of behind the scenes photos, and they, and it's like a guy sitting on because obviously uh, you've got. Uh, the big man Hudsucker like hanging for the ledge, mm. but it's just obviously like uh, vertical, so he's just kind of resting uh, on it. Mm. Apparently, the the. Um, uh, they built the models with the idea that it would be shot with a particular type of lens, but the Coen brothers love wide mm -hmm. lenses, especially with their, yeah. They love wide lenses, so they were like, this shot's going to look better with a wide lens, so apparently they had to start, like, the buildings weren't, the shots weren't wide enough, so they had to start tacking other buildings together. <laughs> right. Which is kind of cool. Nice. But, then, um, but like, can... stuff like, yeah, the, 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 the building shots, like, even what was the aye, the scene towards the end where he falls from the building and Hudsucker comes down as the aye. angel. <laughs> like that whole set, that visually that moment is We'll have chicken and dumplings, yes, we'll all have chicken and dumplings. We'll all have chicken and dumplings when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain, she'll be coming round the mountain. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain, I said, coming round the mountain, oh yeah. Coming round the mountain when she comes. The big, huge prosthetic wings, the big, yeah. the big fucking real wings, and it's like, that's cool. And the, thing and the that, little hula hoop. Uh, it's like, the, yeah. it's, the, it's the hail that always got me, but 
Aye, that's that's what I was going to say about Hudson and Proxy. Some incredible practical. The model shots mm-hmm. went on to be used in Roland. Is it Roland Emmerich's Godzilla? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew oh, like yeah. that. The aye, the models, the models themselves. Oh. They obviously got packed away and pulled back out for Godzilla. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> so, the um, best Godzilla like, film. <laughs> <laughs> Best soundtrack, anyway. <laughs> does it start? Does Godzilla like? I know it ends with the baby. Does it wait up egg. Does it, the baby's egg? Does it hatch? Aye, and then it, then it sort of snaps. There at the it screen. is. The sequel that I always wanted. The yes. sequel to Emily's Godzilla. And I was convinced when I came to the cinema. I was like, I cannot. Fucking wait for me to go and tell him. Like a true testament to how fucking great these guys are at making films is they've got twenty five million on this film mm. and you can see it, you can tell like all the money's on screen, Aye. it looks gorgeous, it looks like pretty much well definitely any other film that year, that maybe yeah. in that decade, it looks like a big fucking lush delicious biscuit and I'll just want to get right in about it all the time <laughs> and like it's oh, the way that it's uh, it's shot and um, the consistency of it like you were saying like you know when you've got the exterior shots and that it's obviously just a sound stage and like, like the fucking money that went into that and it, and it counts because you can watch films like uh, like I don't know some generic pish like the you, you think it uh, careful <laughs> <laughs> now you're naming all the films I want a sequel to speaking of the shadow <laughs> <laughs> no I was going to make a point about the shadow no. I was going to compare, in a way, Hudsucker Proxy mm-hmm. to The Shadow. Can Aye. you imagine it? What do you mean? Can you imagine that that comparison exists? Because <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> in what sense? Visually? Aye. Aye. I was going to, well, no, no visually in the way that they've shot it, but I was going to say how uh, it's part of that, that that weird wee nook of the 90s that it was obsessed with Art Deco. Aye. Like, it's like Hudsucker Proxy, um, The Shadow. Batman. Batman animated series bullets over Broadway it's like it's got was Batman 89 the animated series no 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 did, was Batman yeah, did Batman 89 have a 89. F- have a hint of that as well um, nah it was more kind of uh, gothic, gothic I like, like, like German industrial it's funny that Art Deco like for me is just forever linked with ba- the Batman animated series it does it does it the best but I like it. that's that's Hudsucker's part of that wee that wee just cracking 90s sort of culture that was obsessed with Art Deco. Uh, it's uh, funny, yeah, like, yeah. Um, uh, funny See? Eh? Eh? Valid point. The shadow on Hudsucker. The thing that's weird about it is that it's so much of it is based on the 30s. Mm-hmm. 30s films, 30s architecture, 30s... But, but it's set in 1958. That's it, man. I don't really know why. The only thing that I can Aye. think of is that if you were to take a film about business and stocks and... You know, I mean, that's obviously not what it's about, but that's the main, like, that's the handle that everything hangs off of, is the fi- financial stuff. You couldn't have said it in the 30s because... Was it the, the, the depression? The, the, yeah, basically. You'd, so aye, the aye. 30s are, like, most well-known mostly for the Great Depression. But I think, like, a, the, 
big theme of this is uh, the great wheel that comes around and gives you what you deserve like that whole uh, idea is repeating repeated obviously the the repeated image of the circle and everything like that for the hula blah blah but it's all about like uh, that circle and everybody getting on and off uh, the so I think maybe time, things repeating themselves so why like uh, the 30s uh, themes were put in a 57 yeah, is maybe as, add to that theme that's, that's like, Fuck me, that's good. That's that's, that's, <laughs> no, that's that's like I was gonna say, like the the sort of like obviously the thing that I was thought about Hudsucker was it's about geometry. Yeah, like, the, like there's obviously like the the buildings in terms of the lines, but even obviously the circle and the circle as Danny was saying, like the circle for me felt like the circle of trends, like you're hot, then you're no, then you're hot, then you're no, you're back on top, you're back at the bottom. It's all it's all about how things come back in cycles mm. and waves, but. Yeah. Even the sheet of paper that he's got is folded and it's intersected with lines. Yeah, so yeah, it's like yeah. that even reflects back to how this circle is within these lines well, inside these buildings. That's what's well, the idea that everything, um, all the corporate stuff, mm-hmm. is the sort of brutal rigid architect. Mm-hmm. It's all rigid. It's all right angles. It's mm-hmm. all squares, mm-hmm. and uh, he's the circle mm-hmm. in amongst the, the squares. Uh, he's, he's, he's the like shape Disney fit, like yeah. learning center stuff. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and it's like. Um, which is amazing. Like, it's, again, it's one of those things that when you click and you sort of you suddenly see it and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this." Um, but aye, it's it's like when it's this this little things like looking at the the difference between um, Musburger's office, mm-hmm. which is a big sort of fascistic. Another ex- like example of the production design being spent and looking great, mm-hmm. like the clock shadow and stuff like that. Just, yeah, creep, just creeping in. Aye. Fucking but gorgeous, it's like, man. It's, like, it's all straight lines. And, and then you look at Norval Barnes's office and that's like, it's all very warm and inviting. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, the whole squares and circle thing, it's very, it is interesting, like, well, even like trying to figure what that's all about. Because there's obviously, there's a, there's a whole theme of time in it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, um, one of the things that's really kind of cool about it is that um, the film sort of starts in the morning and ends at night. Oh, right, yeah. So, like, actually, even though there's a, there's a lot of weird stuff about time in this film, it's supposedly set over a month. It's meant to be set in 30, the last 30 days in 1958. Right, okay. Because at the beginning it says we've got 30 days to, because, to, you know, to, until January 1st uh, to drop the, the value of the stocks. And... Um, and obviously there's a, when Tim Robbins enters the building it's edited in a way so that Tim Robbins enters the building at the exact point that Hudsucker jumps out the window Aye. And that's bang on 12 noon. 
and the point when at the end of the film uh-huh. is midnight mm-hmm. it's so I, but like even at that point something that I found fucking fascinating like first time around is that they actually stop time and yeah. again about that big circle coming around the big wheel coming around to give you whatever you want sort of thing like until you know you put a, a broom in the cog uh-huh. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then time stops and then he's like you know he's saved yeah. through that like that it's so uh, the most because uh, like, it then kind of treads that line uh, because it's really cartoonish mm-hmm. like at one point like when uh, Paul Newman walks in and commands the room the fucking Newton's cradle even stops uh, you know it's like mm-hmm. and that's a nice foreshadowing for what happens later yep. because that's how the, that's that's how the physics in this world work yeah, yeah. you know it's no, like, no yeah it's, it's, it's a really it's yeah the way that the film plays with time and then there's references to time there's obviously Hudsucker winds up his watch before he jumps out mm-hmm. the, the, the newsreel in the middle is called Tidbits of Time mm-hmm. and then you've got the little globe in the corner and the word Tempest Fugit flies oh, around right, it um, <coughs> but even then like the time the time stuff related to just the actual geometry like yeah. obviously a cloak's circular and the hands are lines yeah and then you've got the cogs obviously in the clock tower mm-hmm. and he stops it with the broom which mm-hmm. is linear so and it's all to do with like the intersection of geometry also the film starts at the end and then ends at the beginning uh, so it's just a big it's the circles again it's, it's a time traveller and it's almost like and then, and, then, and then just having <laughs> and then just having the plot device of the hula hoop uh, and then at the end the frisbee is just I, like and I love the idea the as well that like uh, like there's these things are like they're on like you can't stop you, well you don't really stop these you don't have the potential to stop these forces really mm-hmm. you know unless you're kind of like a, a borderline mystical character like the caretaker you know mm-hmm. like, um, like the, the hula hoop itself it's like it's got a life of its own pretty mm-hmm. much because like when you first see it the paper itself, like um, Norval misses it. He misses yeah. the ad until, like you know, the hoop coffee stain on it and that. Until right. he walks away and then it's blown towards him. And then later on, the hula hoop doesn't sell until it, like it's like rubber. You know, it's yeah, like it the film in. rubber, like and it just rolls out. And, and that shot, that shot amazes that me because I can't figure out how they achieve it so that they can throw all the, the, the yeah. rings away and all of them fall to the side except one which rolls out in the street. You know, that's that was one of the scenes directed by Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah, the, two, the two scenes that Sam Raimi directed in the film are like two of the best scenes in the film. What was one, the is, other one? one is Hudsucker's uh, suicide. Oh, aye. And the second is the hula hoop. <laughs> did the whole thing but like that sequence of the film of the from the the point of the production of the where they decide they're going to produce the hula hoop to the point that it becomes a massive success mm-hmm. like that whole sequence is yeah, that big montage and that wee creepy way like the video uh, this fuck guy I love that we, I love that we did like on his neck until he's like, fucking hilarious the music in that whole everything about that sequence and the soundtrack just like but I think the thing with the circles 
the the idea of the circles and the squares and it's like uh, you've got the the and even like throwing in the beatniks at the end the beatnik bar at the end no, the beatniks, what was the biggest thing that what what do beatniks call what would the beatniks call yeah, squares they would call them squares yeah. so it's like and then but then <laughs> having the plot device of the hula hoop it falls into place so everything connects so perfectly it that it, it brings like it's that sort of level of of perfection that just brings me so much pleasure <laughs> it's yeah. just like everything's got that nice oh, wee bow tied oh my on God. It, like the perfect galaxy cakes <laughs> <laughs> you see that and something just inside just goes oh fuck <laughs> it's so satisfying it's, and, and then I oh, and then obviously on top of all that it's got a great script and the soundtrack is aye let's, let's talk about that mm. yeah. Carter Burwell soundtrack When that, uh, the first do-do-do-do-do-do uh, melody played, I was like, that's fucking bank advert. Like, how, again, fucking it comes back run. <laughs> like, satirising corporate culture and that, and then a bank use that song. It's, like, completely missing the fucking irony. I know, I'd probably drop the, if I could find the bank advert, I'd drop it in, but I cannot remember for the life of me what bank uh, It's weird, though, eh? Because it's totally, like, Scottish predicted. Brothers? I want to say yeah. something. It's, like, sub, like, Prudential or Scottish T- Widows or something from the 90s. But like, um, it totally predicted that whole like, you know, when uh, corporate culture tried to attach itself to twee culture uh, so that it could sell something. Like how that's sort of something. the song for True Romance Day. Oh. This, that's in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, still doesn't ruin it for me, but no. <laughs> Richie, I will this is what I was saying. This is why I know you love Hudsucker. Okay. If you will observe it. It's the Coen Brothers film that's closest to Brazil. Aye. Like, see the mailroom bit? No, that's totally. Like, that's it's very so Brazil. So aye, the, the whole, like, they dack you. All yeah. that stuff, that's very, very Brazil. It that's is. Like, no, you're right. It's so... Um, aye, the, the way the mailroom's shot and the way that it looks. Like, the angles are, like, very dystopian. Like, looks at the absurdities of bureaucracy. True, man. The Carter Burwell soundtrack, like... Adds so much to the kind of warmth of it, mm-hmm. like particularly the main suite at the start. Like I forgot all about it. I was thinking about this one. Like I hadn't actually watched this since I first bought that, and that was like probably one of the first DVDs I bought. Cause I pretty much picked up all the Coen Brothers films. I, I didn't think there was an individual release. I thought you could only get it in a box set. Well, no, maybe no, no, but oh, you got right, that okay. one too. Eh? Mm-hmm. Right, no, but I remember buying that as I say. Like, that I was had one it on first laser disc. Man, why did, you, why did you get rid of it? I know, man, I'm dirty, sorry. Dirty talk. It's oh. dirty time. It's laser disc Look. time. These shorts are coming off. I'm just a boy with shorts on his, jorts on his legs. Oh no, please don't turn me into Simon Pegg. I wanted, I wanted a big telly, so I sold all my stuff. But did you, you can't you watch it with a big telly if you've sold it all. Did you sell all the uh, laser discs as well? I did. I? Oh no! But the thing was, is like laser discs are shite. They're, they're not that good. <laughs> I mean, looking at them, they're really good. But like watching them, they're not that good. <laughs> You're talking to a guy that still listens to mini disc, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it's really like Kenny Capra in the way that it's done, and especially when it's. Uh, Hudsuckers come and doing as the angel mm-hmm. and it's very snowy and all that like that looks really classical what's well, very uh, well it's, it's a bit 
Oh, oh, it's a wonderful life. Aye, aye. Yeah, oh, aye, I guess absolutely. that's probably where that all came from. But it, ma- it manages to look really authentic without just trying to be a straight fucking rip off. Mm. They kind of they kind of managed to make it. Like it's funny because that could have been a that could have been a total cop out ending, but it because of the, it fits into the way it fits into the film the way it does. Mm-hmm. It's so you know you just you go with it. Mm-hmm. It's in, it, yeah, it's interesting when a film throws something like that at you, but it's like obviously you have got the man Moses who. Is it Moses or is it Moses? Moses. Anyway, yeah. the guy who runs the the, the clock, <laughs> and you know he's a obviously a sort of god like character, which again is interesting because in the pre- in Barton Fink you've got John Goodman as so the, the devil. devil. Yeah. So um, obviously that's, that's another. Uh, that's he's probably my favourite. <laughs> fucking right, man. Aye, man. He's my favourite devil. John what Goodman's my favourite anything. <laughs> I was thinking he's the devil in Futurama, but he's Santa, isn't he? John Goodman. Aye. Is it him that does the does voice? Robot Santa. No way. The evil Santa. I'm pretty sure. But John Goodman what? has a cameo in. He's a devil in fucking. <coughs> he has a cameo in this. Aye, in Hudsucker. Aye, I noticed as the voiceover in the newsreel. Aye, because when we were watching the credits as well, I noticed that one of the brainstormers when they're coming up with the name of the Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know that fucking. No, <laughs> I know that profile. Aye. Which oh, is man. so depressing. Again, that sequence is. I keep coming back. Like that's my favourite bit of the film. Is the, aye. It's well, that's, so that's the British thing about it. It's like, uh, <laughs> like when they're the talking, they go through like um, the it's a series of moments. plastic extruded dingus? That's what they call it. Plastic extruded dingus. <laughs> He's in there with his dingus. <laughs> um, uh, Hi, buddy. <laughs> I'm Buzz. I make Buzz. the elevator do what she does. That's fucking prayers for the wire. I knew I recognised him. What? I've never seen the wire. Sorry. Uh, again, he's, sorry, he's up there. No, I've never seen the wire. Either. Oh, <laughs> sorry. He's again, c- coming from Barton Fink, the the elevator operator Jet. character. Yeah. Uh, well, that's quite a common thing. And like, even in when we were watching Crime Wave, there's a a wee guy operating uh, the lift in it, and like, uh, there's aye, it's quite a recurring theme. Yeah. And like, there's always uh, there's a lot of scenes I've noticed with Coen Brothers that are set in toilets, like big pivotal. <laughs> Just something that happens. Plus, I feel like I need to do this as well. He's got no coordination. It's fucking incredible. Go. Knowing where Hudsucker is made. And the like, re- knowing that they're about to make Fargo as well is like, yeah, aye. it's lovely. Well, that's something that I think again, like with the uh, George Miller thing, these guys, like, although there's a similarity, yeah, fucking, like, there's one, I've only had two. <laughs> 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 uh, there's like, uh, although there's like similar themes and tones and stuff like that with the Coen Brothers films, like, there's always people like who uh, are having to deal with like a an unstoppable force of nature or something like that, you know, it's like always that sort of thing. Like they're really diverse in the films that they choose to make as well. So it's like, you know, thrillers, fucking horrors, film noirs, comedies, farce. Like the good thing, I think what is so amazing about this film in particular is that they managed to make a big budget film that was completely unique. There's no been a film like it since Mm -hmm. and there was nothing like it before. And this film itself is, is basically it's their most fun film. It's like so fun. They, they're, so, they're fucking brilliant entertainers. Like, yeah, well, the, like, this, this is, is pure. This proof. is why I thought maybe I don't know maybe that's why it didn't perform terribly well. But then I realised 
that they again they hadn't made Fargo yet, but like to go from Barton Fink, which is obviously it's funny, mm-hmm. but it gets very dark. It's got a, like they do a lot of films where there's a there's a really dark edge to it, and there's not much of a like Hudsucker's very light. Obviously, the the plot and everything itself uh, is quite sinister, but it's not. I know, think it's just because it's like they were trying. It's not waking up with a dead woman in your bed, sinister. It's just, <laughs> and so it's like, and they have a bit of a history of their, maybe their lighter films not quite as performing quite as well as their mm-hmm. darker ones. I think it's just like, especially with this film, it was their transition for like indie-ish darlings, mm-hmm. especially with Barton Fink at Cannes and all that, and then this is their big film. Which kind of flopped because I don't think people knew how to market or how to take it. Yeah. And it wasn't until Fargo came out and folk realised, like, oh, shit, these guys are, like, really, really fucking good. I think yeah, it was yeah. maybe, I think for their first film, for their first, like, big ish budget, big guy film, it was too possibly bombastic for them. Yeah, I think but, it's. I, I mean, it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with it, it's, it's brilliant, but they, they didn't go for a gradual. A gradual rise like Hudsucker doesn't feel like a first big budget film it feels mm-hmm. like maybe somebody's fourth or fifth big budget film so they've went straight bombastic then doing a wee bit straight, too straight to the top uh, they, have, they did Aye. go straight to the top like, like, but what you were saying earlier it's like something that works with this film is like they throw things at you and it sticks it's mm-hmm. like that I think that's again the same problem with Witches Eastwick that a lot of people had is that it throws things at you that like you know curveballs and things like that and like at one point the fucking angel appears and stuff. Oh, yeah. I just don't think a lot of people were on board with that. They don't mm-hmm. get it, you know. They don't. Well, no, it's not that they don't get it. They get it. They just don't like it. And you know, it's it's kind of too jarring for folk to be lifted. Out. A film where a guy walks in and stops a Newton's cradle mid swing, uh, you know, <laughs> but they still kind of get weight when even like even the thing with the angel as well. How the angel's like, he's like, oh, I like you. He says to the like the angel. Hudsucker, oh, I like your halo, and he's like, ah, everybody's got them up there. They're fucking, they're mad on them now. Which is like, even the the circular halo up in heaven is like a fad. Really. Another thing um, as well is see when he's coming down from, and he's playing his wee ute. They'll be coming round the mountain when he comes. Coming round the coming round mm-hmm. the mountain. <laughs> they're too clever. See the uh, the guy that invented the hula hoop did actually invent the frisbee as yeah, well. No, no, said, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. So um yeah no uh so um, uh, yeah a lot of love I really love Hudsucker Proxy like really, really I've got uh I've watched it so many like I, mean, I watched it the other day for this but only last time I watched it was two months ago and um, right? uh, so is this like uh, uh no yeah uh, is this like a wee um kind of comfort film for you do you watch it this is, quite uh, frequently uh, well no I've not watched it for a while but um but it could totally become that but the thing is the thing is as well the thing that annoys me as well is just like um, obviously when we come to do stuff like this obviously when we did like Attack the when I did Attack the Block the last episode I had a behind the scenes documentary uh, mm-hmm. uh, a commentary and all that sort of stuff and Hudsucker like looking at Hudsucker so much goes into it that you're just like Give me a special edition. Give Aye, me something. I know, I want to... All country. the Coen Brothers films, I, want, I really want to learn more about the making of this. Like, uh, like, the reaction, how the Coen Brothers felt about it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because it must be pretty dispiriting like, when you've got a film like this that's been... It's like, probably you've had your most exposure to date mm-hmm. and you've, mm-hmm. it's a failure. I know, it must be really dispiriting as well because... I, I I imagine it must be one of those films that everybody looks because imagine when a film's going to be a failure and everybody watches watches it and goes oh god we're going to put this out and it's not going to do very well <laughs> but you'd watch something like that and go this is going to be 
Well, it had reshoots in that as well, didn't it? Oh, did it? Well, it had pickups basically, and it was just to, to add more into it. I think they added a f- the fight at the end of it and stuff like that, because that wasn't originally in the film. Oh, you couldn't right. even tell, because it feels like it's relevant. But I think the studio, even at the time, was worried that it was going to be a bomb, so they tried to like, oh, right, okay. add stuff into it to sort of bring it out that, but it still managed to be a bomb, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame, and I've not really heard them talking about it that much. Like, especially in interviews, you never hear them saying, oh, we've done this on Hudsucker, and we learned this from doing Hudsucker. Like, mm-hmm. I'd like to learn, I'd like to listen to the lessons that they'd got for doing it. But I think, like, I think above all, like, see if you make a film like that, and it flops, doesn't matter. You've made that fucking, imagine oh, making that, it, yeah, putting your name to something like that, yeah. man, you well, make a fuck. <laughs> and then they made Fargo. So aye, well, aye. Aye. They basically came back with the biggest We're fuck back, you baby. ever. Aye. Aye. So. Like, the, the fact that, uh, uh, Joel Silver as well kind of disowned it at mm. first he was he was like no I'm never working with these guys again apparently they proved um, like they got the job done and stuff like that but they had a few disagreements along right. the way but like he still didn't really get involved with the actual outcome mm. um, but I wonder how Joel Silver feels is, is Joel Silver still gone? Mm-hmm. Aye. Aye. Um, like how he feels about it now like now that time's passed and he's obviously fucking dried his eyes with all the money that he's made no, <laughs> like and other things like maybe like if I wonder if he like if he'll watch it back and think that's a fucking that's a fine film that was my first thought after watching it it's like well a couple of things really stuck with me after watching it one it was like oh that's fine that's a fucking fine film and I've got a ton of Christmas films but that's a good New Year's Day film it is like a... watch a hungover like and just get a wee cuddle. What's your favourite <laughs> New Year's Day film? Oh Christ! Come on. I don't really have a regular. It's just something that makes me feel nice. You know what? Actually, see, a couple of years ago, I had a really hungover New Year's Day, and I watched uh, Inside Lou and Davis. Very nice. Very gentle. It was just oh, it was nice. nice. Uh, Mine's lovely. Kingdom with the Crystal Skull. Oh, what yeah. a great New Year's Day film! <laughs> I refuse to hear. Hate. For that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really good. I watch it every New Year. So, uh, Hot Soccer Proxy. Yes. Please, right. please. An actual good film. Check it out. I, I mean, I, apart I from anything film. else, I can imagine if you've got to the end, we didn't really stop to describe to tell you the what story. The I was going to so say, see the start. I was going to say, can we tell folk what, what it is? What it's about? <laughs> We're just going to talk about it. Do you have an appointment? No. Shall we look in the book? Hmm. We don't seem to be in the book. If we had an appointment, we'd be in the book. I see. I have this. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, that means it's time. It's time for 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 keyboard round. Keyboard round up. Uh, I'm sure you are familiar with this now. If not, then it's when I go to the IMDb page for the film, look at the keywords related to it, and pick out the ten best keywords or phrases related to the film. All right. So number one, transcendence. Number two, Jesus. <laughs> number two, kicked in the shin. <laughs> number three, rub. <laughs> number four, what? Rub. A poor rub. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. a poor rub. Right, you know? okay. um, number four, reference to J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, yeah. Number five, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> number six, false teeth. <laughs> number seven, pneumatic tube. Number eight, Deus Ex Machina. 
Number nine, foot in waste basket. <laughs> and number ten, cucumber on eyes. <laughs> cucumber on eyes. Eyes. Oh, like when you're. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't even know why you know what I meant. Anyway, that's I thought you meant on ice first. On ice. Cucumber on ice. Oh, no, on ice. I was like trying to remember the shot in the film where there's a cucumber on ice. <laughs> a nice wee cocktail. That sounds like. But that's keyword round up. Thank you. But da bop deep bing bop. So Finley, you have the 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 the, the I've list. I've got the Twitter of... feed. I'm scrolling through here. <laughs> it's a uh, it's kind of like you on Star Trek. What do you cry at? Tablets. It's like you on. They're on the tablets. It's like the tablets. Hey, eh? Doctor Crusher, give us a shot of your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can make references like that now because I'm actually watching the show. Um, aye, so it's time for feedback. Uh, at Cthulhu of the Dead asks the closest I've came out to walking out of a film was Max Payne have any of you walked out a film oh aye. I have I walked out of Casino Royale because it was fucking garbage <laughs> it was fucking fuck James Bond tell, tell them the story about what happened when you walked out uh, we walked out during the sex scene no you told us this in the last episode well and we shouted it we shouted it up the arse <laughs> have you mentioned that ever? <laughs> nah, me and my pal walked to Casino Royale when him and the, the last were going to shag, and just as we walked out the door, we went, Oh my gosh! And ran for our bus. This is a, this is a two part story. It's a two part, I know he's on the edge. Uh, and then, apart from that, probably Hunters when I walked in the cinema. Like mm-hmm. I said to Danny, I think I walked out to go see Girlfriend's Past, but for good fucking reason. <laughs> see, the thing is, is, I'm always. I'm usually with someone uh-huh. and like oh god uh, the last one that I came really close to and I got really fidgety and really angry was uh, Oblivion with Tom oh, Cruise oh, aye, aye. and it was like uh, it was oh. at the point where it was like um, where it, all, it was on to its fifth fucking sci-fi rip off somewhere I think it might have been Moon <laughs> or Planet of the Apes or something because it's uh, a Planet of the Apes <clears throat> director is it? Huh? Is the guy that did Tron? Tron 2? That. It was the guy, it was the guy that did Tron 2, I don't know if he did. Ooh. Did they beef? I'm pretty sure Oh, I don't know! Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking shit! That's what we're talking about. So, um, I know, Oblivion, I think it was at the point that um, that we learned that the Tom Cruise that we were following wasn't the only Tom Cruise on the planet. There oh, was what a, a nightmare scenario. I know. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and Imagine I was just Tom like, Cruise chasing Tom Cruise. It was at the point because I was like at the beginning of the film, I was, I was like, I'm into this. Just look at these lovely visuals. It's very. I and then you. it starts to get really tedious, and then it gets to the point where it's just throwing stuff at you like that, and then you're like, that's just moon. This is moon. This is just fucking moon. What are you doing? <laughs> and then um, and then there's, so there's a bit where he fights another Tom Cruise, <laughs> and he looks and he comes back a bit rough, and he goes to meet the sort of rebels that are led by Morgan Freeman. And he says something like, you look rough. And then, like, in my head, I'm like, I, I could feel it coming. I could feel it, like... And then he said, you should see the other guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I... It was like a reflex action. I went, oh, fuck off! <laughs> and it was in a full IMAX screen as well. And my mate went, Richie, chop! Slow up, bud! Just... No! But that was generally... <laughs> 
that was generally one of those films I kept checking my Aye. watch and being like, I've, be, I've only been here for 45 minutes. I know, I man. Like, like, we, like, I know what you mean. Like, I, when Bruce I go to the pictures like. and like, the, the times that I wanted to walk out a film, I always see cars and I really wanted to gear up on that, but I was way... like Nicola and I had this agreement. My mate Nicola that I go to the pictures with quite a bit. Like He um, he and I then developed this system. Like, it's the car system where we just look at each other at one point we're like, are we into this? No, let's fuck off. Because like, there's been too many car scenarios we've been like I just sat and watched cars <laughs> like, what the fuck am I doing with my life and we were watching The Spirit walked out of The Spirit because it's hot sick and guess what is that is that our film That's, you like it oh didn't ask me why but I weirdly enjoy the spirit. Oh, do you know it's what it's fucking up. deplorable? It's like shite, all the films. It's like oh, hey, aren't Nazis like fucking bad and mental? <laughs> I know. You know, like Kung Fury. It's like I, I kind of defend it. Even folk are like the spirit is garbage. I'm like you're fucking right. It's garbage. <laughs> but for some you know, strange reason, uh, I get it. Uh-huh. Uh, don't know uh, why. Don't that ask me. and I shoot them up. I like. I walked out. Shoot them up as well. So it's one of these films. It's like. It, it's just a weird because it doesn't get the tone right it's like if you're going to make a bad action film right that's consciously bad like you're fucking it already ah exactly Uh, ah you're just poking fun at a genre that I really like (laughs) so fuck you you know I wish I'd walked out of Queen of the Damned no you didn't no you watched that and you're lucky Jesus Christ I wish I'd walked out of a film where a vampire has the voice of Jonathan Davis for corn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, that was a, a Lestat's a, a, shirts as well, man. Are you serious? The originator of the Faultus vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also another. This isn't a walking out story, but I remember when I was a kid, uh, my parents took me and my brother to see Neverending Story Part Three because they were like Neverending Story smashing. Let's go. And, I don't know what they thought of two, but <laughs> they were like we'll go, we'll take them to see Neverending Story Three. And it was always a big thing going to the cinema when you were a kid. So it was like. I remember going there and it was terrible, but I, I, one of my earliest memories is turning around in the cinema and my brother and my mum and my stepdad were all sleeping. That's a bummer, Jack. There's been a few others that I've walked out of, but like, whenever I go and see a, a Nick Wayne Reffin film, there's always a good few walkouts there. And uh, I was saying to Finley earlier, like, when folk walked out to drive, there was this couple and uh, they were walking out. And the guy just pipes up, he's like, What up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> that happens when I seen the witch. Aye. So I just got him and that was fucking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting uh, just going, That was fucking amazing. Aye. That was a lot of shite. Still kind of creeped out by that film. What else have we got? Um, we have also got from At No Stopping Epoch, our good friend Barry hey, asks, man. Regarding Avastar, what would be Everstar <laughs> what would be your dream movie themed nightclub <laughs> Everstar for anybody that doesn't know is basically a, a nightclub themed on the film Avatar if you go down the strip of Vegas all of the hotels there is theme based hotels and we created Everstar themed nightclub based around the movie Avatar but now, instead of doing it 3D, we created a virtual reality of effect of taking nature 
in creating it with modern technology in what we created here. It will be mind-blowing when you come to Avastar and see what we've created here. We've got flame throwers. Every 10 minutes we give you a flame throw display. We've got over eight laser lights where we can do a laser light display show over each dance floor. We've got moving headlights, LED shows, confetti machines, low fog machines. It's now it's since closed down, but you know. No, no way. <laughs> I so it's I can't believe that an avatar themed club couldn't sustain itself. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm in disbelief. <laughs> it's the artwork. It's not like artwork that looks like it's come off the side of a fucking waltzer. Ah, yeah. <laughs> nice cream <laughs> van. <laughs> Mind that child. That's a good question. Fucking, I don't know. Barbed wire. <laughs> oh my. He's hit it. He's got <laughs> it. He's recovered for fucking Queen of the Dance. So everyone's getting sprayed with wire. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, mines are all like cyberpunk ones. Like, I just keep <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I keep the Blade them. Club. Uh, like, like Blade, Blade Runner. Every year you get the Blood Sprinkler. Oh. Strange Days, like, you can see like, nah. all that sort of stuff. That would but, be inc an incredibly goth nightclub. <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, no. I get to wear my nipple clubs. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> get in unless you have a cane or a cloak. Oh. <laughs> hey, I think my. Free entry um, for bread. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, my dream nightclub uh, based on a film would be Sucker Punch because then what you'd have is right you'd have all the fans of Sucker Punch in one place that I could bomb <laughs> <laughs> you know nah, it's not that bad it's, Just I mean it's alright if you want to watch a film that sexualises wee lassies that's fine that's fine <laughs> No, so the, the one just as a wee like sub, a wee sub question for this the, the one like nightclub in films that I would like to go to no for sleazy reasons Technoir Technoir <laughs> Technoir is a fucking stoter I would love to go to Technoir uh, is the club for Exotica I don't know if you've seen Exotica no. it's an Atom Egoyan film I'm probably fucking butchering his name I'm really sorry but it's like it's like an exotic like an exotic dancing like sort of um, venue but it's really really like luxurious like inside it it's got palm trees and like big byzantine pillars and like those um gold half shell lights that light up the stage ah, yeah. and all that and it's ah. really like it's like lit by kind of fan by fan shadows and stuff like mm -hmm. that and like when I, I, I only first watched it maybe about a month ago and as soon as i seen that i was like that club is like the most amazing looking place no no for the fact that it's got like obviously naked women in it mm -hmm. just for the just the club's look and feel and how luxurious it looks and that so I would go for that imagine a if Terminator 2 themed club imagine what? that aye just like you know just especially Guns and Roses on repeat <laughs> oh aye <laughs> everybody in public enemy t-shirts honestly she's not my she's not my mom Todd please <laughs> I was going to say Guns and Roses imagine the crowd you'd attract aye that's why I want to go it'd be folks it'd be the like smell of raw hide it'd be like <laughs> The, the type like folks mums but the ones that still wear like leather waistcoats they dream mums dream mums you could be mine indeed <laughs> easy money uh, no I can't think of any other ones they're mainly like cyberpunk guys like I'd love like a Blade Runner type club like with that look that aesthetic but that's just a, that's just a solid answer that's like an easy one mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's it is a good answer though like it would be nice like 
Like the, even even but like can they? But it's always raining. Well, I was going to say, can they like indoor like installments? You get like, like the rain the hitting the windy. It's like uh, the double glazing, but the rain's uh, on the inside. That'd and be stuff cool. Like that, you know, like on neon light. Somebody serving noodles. Plus, oh, see, they see they <laughs> clear they clear uh, <laughs> <laughs> they clear raincoats are like black fashion as well. Aye, so aye. I mean, it's all coming together. But folk choose to wear clays under them. <laughs> and no run through Mindy's that's clearly no that actress <laughs> and slow-mo as well no me <laughs> it's a bold move for Ridley thanks very much for your questions thank you we really appreciate it we've got one more it. one more sneaky wee one more wee sneaky wee gram in the bag what and it's uh, Finlay's choice, so you know it's going to be shite. A belter. It's going to be an absolute <laughs> Cleveland steal. I'm looking forward to talking about this one because I like. I was watching it the other night and I was like, uh, "What's he seeing? <laughs> what, what's he seeing?" That's alright. That's usually what happens. No, I just think it's going to be good. Nobody gets me. Nobody ever will. Right, right in his diary. Dear diary. Dear diary. The boys didn't they like <laughs> the Guardian. I hate the lads. <laughs> right, um, and uh, as always with the sign off, I'm going to tell you the Twitter, and it's on the screens, on the screen, um, and it's. <laughs> come find us. Come, come find us. Who opened the box? We came. <laughs> come find That's us. Pretty good day. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. You know, for kids.